Well, good morning, everyone. We're a little lopsided today. We got like a hole here and then over here. <laughs> if uh, we're going to be in John again this morning, we're going to continue our series. If you need a Bible, one of the ushers would love to bring one forward to you. We'll be in John chapter 8 again this morning, beginning in verse 31. Uh, Pastor Stephen mentioned last week that next, um, next Sunday we're going to begin a series in Daniel. Um, I'm going to continue to teach once a month in John as we continue that series, but uh, Pastor Stephen is going to lead us through Daniel, and at the end of the Daniel, we're going to return to John more full-time. So we're kind of taking a hiatus from John, but we're kind of keeping going, and we're going to go through Daniel as well. So that's uh, so what we have in store for the fall for you, so you can be excited for that. John chapter 8, verse 31 is where we're going to begin. About, um, I was in middle school, my early teens, and I was invited to go to a local church. I was raised Catholic. We went to a Catholic church um, pretty much every Sunday. And, but we went to, or I was invited to go to this local um, evangelical church. And so I, I went, and the, the pastor um, was preaching and, you know, uh, declaring the word of God. And at the end, as many Protestant churches do, more evangelicals, they called for a response at the end. And so he said to all the people in the congregation, he said, I want you all to close your eyes now. And we all closed our eyes. And then he began to say, if you want to, you know, respond to the message that's been heard here today. If you want to, you know, follow Jesus with your life, I want you to raise your hand. And so I thought, I like the message today and I, I do want to follow Jesus. And so I, I raised up my hand. Eyes were closed. So the pastor, you know, as sufficient time went by, he had called for the response. And then he began to, he prayed for the church. He prayed for the thankfulness of those who raised their hands. He said everybody should open their eyes. And when he opened their their eyes, uh, he said, young man, come on up here. I had been the only one who raised my hand, I guess. And I had now received Christ. And so I, you know, sort of meekly walked up to the front, having a a smile on my face because the church was happy. They were clapping. And uh, I had now become a Christian. I came forward, um, he said, young man, you know, let us pray for you. So they prayed for me, um, I went along with what was going on, I was happy this, I, I thought something had happened, and, um, and then afterwards they quickly left. I didn't ever come back to that church, but that was my experience. There are disciples, and then there are kind of, um, we would say false disciples, or maybe disciples that don't know exactly what's happening. In, in, our, in our story this morning, we've been in John chapter 7, John chapter 8, and this has been the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you remember from last time, in verse 30, it says, as he was saying these things, Jesus is saying these things, many believed in him. Now, he had said some crazy things at this time that really shook people up. They were, they were crazy in the sense that, not that they weren't true, because they were very true, but they were staggering to the people. He had declared himself to be the light of the world and the living water. And so the Pharisees, you know, knowing this, we know the Pharisees, they, they, were, they were struck by this. It was troubling to them. So they had this long discussion. But at the end, there's a kind of this staggering verse. It just sort of all of a sudden, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So the question is, what is true about their discipleship? Are, are, are these really true believers the capital B, or they lowercase believers. They believe something, they're not sure exactly what they um, have believed. We're going to find that's actually the case. These had believed, but they hadn't truly believed. They hadn't truly become disciples, and we're going to see that in our text this morning. 
when I was in middle school, I had raised my hand. I wasn't certain about what I was doing, nor I knew it was going to happen. But I had become a disciple to a certain extent, but not a, well, maybe not a true disciple. This morning, what I want to, I want to call us to do is examine our discipleship. And when I say that, um, there's a, there's a, I don't want people to be discouraged. I actually want you to be comforted. If you're one who often says, you know, I don't measure up to what it means to be a Christian. I don't, really, I don't measure up to where I think I should be. Well, I hope that you're comforted by this message this morning. The Bible doesn't talk about a certain way you measure up to your discipleship. There are certain truths, though, that help encourage you that you know that you're a disciple. On the other hand, though, if you're one who considers yourself, you kind of walk through the motions and maybe you're, you're, you have a desire to follow or you say you have a desire to follow but that really doesn't live out in your life, I hope that you'd be stirred up by these things. So kind of our main idea this morning, I don't even think it's going to be on the screen because it's so simple. It's going to say, just all this is, this, this are, examine your discipleship. Examine your discipleship. That is the main point this morning, to test your discipleship. Listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says to the Corinthian, Paul said to the Corinthian church, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. This is important. We don't want to be self-deceived. And Jesus here is going to examine these Jews who had believed to talk about their, their discipleship. We begin in verse 31. It says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So get it here. He is truly, he's speaking to those, he said, who had believed him. This is his audience. He, the, the Pharisees who had been questioning him and talking back and forth. No, he's not talking to them. He's talking to those who had believed. And he gives kind of a very clear criterion here, a, a simple criterion for what it means to be a disciple. It says this. It says to abide in my word. Those who abide in my word are truly my disciples. Those who receive Jesus' teaching and hold on to it, who remain in Jesus' teaching. Those who grab onto his instruction and follow it that their lives. These are the ones who are, who are his disciples. Disciples hold fast to the word of God, which is the word of Christ. And this theme we're actually going to see is kind of the main theme of this whole section. This dialogue is going to take place between Jesus and these um, Jews who believed. We're gonna, I want you to sort of point it out so you'll see the big picture at first. In verse 31, which we're in right now, you see abiding my word is a key. And then in verse 37, it says, in this case, they didn't, his words didn't find a place in him. And then in verse 43, they could not bear his word, also a sign of their lack of discipleship. Then in verse 47, it says, whoever um, hears the word of God and receives it is in, his, is in him. That's verse 47. Verse 51, it says, anyone who keeps my word... Uh, verse, and then verse 52, those who keep my word. And then lastly, in verse 55, Jesus says, I had kept my father's word. There's this theme here of the word of God abiding in the word of God, um, remaining in the word of God, that is a show forth of true discipleship. That's what we're going to see. Now, we're going to break this down into three parts, though. We're first going to see that a, the signs, the the, the markers of true discipleship, kind of, of abiding in Jesus' word, come in this way, of knowing Jesus, knowing his word. This is going to be in verses 32 through 37. Of doing 
um, Jesus' word, living out, following him. This is verse 38 through 47. And then lastly, honoring Jesus, honoring his word. And we'll see this in verses 48 through 59. That's where we're going. So we begin with knowing. This is knowing Jesus. Let's look at it. It says, I'll, be in, I'll, I'll read verse 32, but I'm going to come back so we can get the context again. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth is what happens in a disciple's life. The truth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the story. It's the message of who he is. It's that he's, he, he came for sinners, and he died, and he rose again, and he gives life to those, and he gives, brings freedom. It, and it's not just knowing the message, because it is the message, the message about Jesus, but it's actually knowing Jesus himself. It, the gospel is the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is the truth himself. John later on will say Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So it's knowing his teaching, knowing his moral teaching knowing his wisdom that he gives. Uh, But more importantly, it is knowing him. The Gospel of John, uh, Chris and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, it really, it's a good book that really wants to reveal who Jesus is fully. John chapter 1, it tells us he's the word of God. He's the very word from God. That's what we're to abide in. He is the, later on it says he's the lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world by suffering for his people. He's the lamb that suffers. He's the son of God, the only begotten of the father. This is who Jesus is. This is what John tells us about Jesus. He, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is promised. That's who Jesus is. And then of late, we've been getting into these I am statements. He is the bread of life. He's the one who must, you must eat of and partake of to have life. He's the living water, the only one who satisfies. And he's the light of the world. He, he shines forth in the darkness and brings life. He conquers darkness. So a disciple knows Jesus, knows the gospel, knows the truth of who Jesus is. And that begins with knowing him. And then it says here, and that truth will set you free. This is kind of the, the thing that really troubled these Jews who would believe. This is where they, this, this sort of departure takes place, we see very clearly. Because they hear set free, and they think in verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, we, you will become free? They're troubled by this. We are offspring of Abraham. So, you know, Abraham, the one who was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees to, you know, go into the promised land. And there God said, you're going to be a nation. You're going to be a blessing to all the world. He said, the Jews are saying, that's us. We... we we haven't been enslaved to anyone. That's not, we are the ones in Exodus where God says that, in Exodus 20, he says, we're going to be kings and priests to our God. That's who we are. We haven't been enslaved to anyone. We know there's some irony here, right? <laughs> the Jews nationally, just we're not t- talking fully nationally, but the, the irony of the passage is, who, who have they been enslaved to in their history? They've been enslaved to every major power. They've been enslaved to the Egyptians. They've been enslaved to the Assyrians. They've been enslaved to the Babylonians. They've been enslaved to the Medo-Persians. They've been enslaved to the Grecians. And then, currently, who are they enslaved in? They're enslaved to the Romans in their history there. So, as you get into Daniel, when Pastor Stephen's going to be teaching that, you're going to see this sort of history of the nations and who they're enslaved to. But this is where they are. 
But Jesus isn't getting it who they're nationally enslaved to, right? That's the irony, kind of. But here's the main point. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is talking about a different kind of slavery, right? He's talking about a slavery, a spiritual slavery, a slavery to sin. A a mark of discipleship, a sign of true discipleship, is not that you have it all figured out, right? What I was saying before, some of us often question our discipleship and say, you know, I don't measure up. You know, the the first mark of true discipleship is to realize that you don't measure up and that you need help, that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus' help on a daily basis, that you know that you struggle with things, and so you need his help. And these guys here, these Jews, they said, we've never been to slave to anyone. We are we are offspring of Abraham. Like, we follow him. We're not, we're not in slavery to sin. We're the, we're the chosen ones of God. That's not us. We, we, we follow the law precisely. That's not us. True mark of discipleship is to begin with the gospel. And the gospel says that all are sinners, and we must know that. But then, there's this truth, that those who are disciples of Jesus have a freedom that comes from it. He says, He, the Son, is the only one that can set us free. The Son is the only one who remains in the house. You know, a slave has no control of what they bought or sold. The Son is the one who sets free. And when the Son sets a person free, there's a power in that. Knowing the truth is a mark of discipleship. And knowing the truth is to know that you are a sinner. But there's power in Jesus. He has forgiven your sins completely. The, 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 sin, the penalty of sin has been completely gone. And that before you were bound to sin, but now since you follow Jesus, there's power from Jesus to overcome sin. This might be a little bit at a time. It may not be perceptible at times, but there is growth in knowing Jesus. There's freedom from sin. This is the truth of the gospel. And that should, be shy, that should come forth in those who are truly his disciples. There's a, a growth in that. Verse 37 says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. The word of God, they could not receive this, this true principle that comes through the starting of the gospel that they're sinners and that they were enslaved. They couldn't receive that. A true disciple knows Jesus, understand, or is, is growing and understanding the gospel and sees this power and this freedom from the gospel. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus kind of gave another picture of this. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. A different metaphor, the same principle, that it's not those who are well that need the physician, Jesus being the physician, but those who are sick. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came for those who are broken, but then he came to set them free, and he's the one who can do that as the son of God the only son of God. Um, D.A. Carson wrote this, and I I love this quote. He said, true freedom, oftentimes we think freedom is like being able to do whatever I want. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to do whatever I want. But true freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, because everybody wants to do what they want to do, and they do it. Truth, you're, you're bound to sin without Christ. 
True freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do as we ought. To be able to do as you ought to do before God. That is true freedom. Without Christ, without being truly, there's no way you can do as you ought. Only being freed through Christ can we do as we ought. And we desire to do that as disciples because that's what God has done in our lives. This is the, this is the, the knowing the gospel of Jesus, knowing who he is. This is a sign of discipleship. Do you see that in your life? Do you know the gospel? Do you know you're weak and need Jesus? Have you seen him work in your life to change little things? Maybe a little bit of time. Have you seen that? That's a, a sign of true, true discipleship. If you don't, then begin to ask myself, why is that the case? What, what's, 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 what's different here? Talk to somebody about it. Examine yourselves. Abiding in Jesus Christ's word, knowing his word, knowing Christ, is a sign of discipleship. Number two. Doing. This is number two is doing. We'll look at verse 38. And we're going to see here, and this is verses, this is going to be interesting. There's like this, uh, there's a sort of a theme of family resemblance we're going to see. Look at verse 38. I speak of what I've seen with my father. This is Jesus saying, I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. We're going to see this over and over. Jesus, is, he says, my father, I have seen what he does, and I follow in his path, and you have seen, you have, um, what does it say? You do what you have heard from your father. So we're both resembling our fathers. You're doing your father, I'm doing my father. He's not defining yet who these fathers are. He's not telling them that. This is kind of the principle. You do as your father, I do as my father. Then verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. <laughs> so they're getting back to this. Abraham is our father. We do as Abraham says. So what are you talking about here? They, they think he's, you know, he's getting them trapped up. We follow the ways of Abraham, his ethical and his moral teaching. That's who we are. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth that I heard from God. So Jesus says, like father, like son. If you were truly of Abraham, you would be doing the things that Abraham did. I think most of us know that there's this principle in the Bible that you can be a descendant of someone, you can be you know, biologically someone, but you can't truly be, you're not truly the child of that person, particularly with Abraham. You can be an offspring of Abraham by descendant, but you, can't, you might not be a child of Abraham. A child, according to the Bible, does as the father does. So to be a child of Abraham is to do like Abraham. What did Abraham do? Abraham, when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, he believed God and he followed. Well, what did he do? Um, when, 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 when tested before God, he believed God and it says it was accounted to him as righteousness. What did Abraham do? When his son, he was called to sacrifice his own son, which did not happen, God said, stop. He obeyed God and he did, as God said. A father does, the son does like the father. That's what Abraham did. And they're not doing that, right? They aren't believing in the one who, the promise that has been promised by God. That's what Jesus said. You don't seek to follow me. You seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth. And then it says, uh, verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting closer. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Now, I think uh, it, it took me a little bit to get this, but I think they're just like taking a big jab at Jesus here. What? And they're saying we're not born of sexual immorality. What about Jesus? Well, he was born. His mom, you know, 
was pregnant before Joseph and Mary were married. And they're saying, you're the one who was born in sexual immorality. Not true, but that's what they're pointing. They're getting a jab at Jesus. You're the one that's at fault here. And they said, we have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came out of my own accord, but he sent me. Jesus is saying again, if you truly were, if God were truly your father, like father, like son, you would love me. Why? Because the father loves the son, and he sent the son. If you were of God, you would love me. That's what he's saying. Verse 43, why do you not understand? Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. These guys, they couldn't bear to hear Jesus' word. This is truly a sign when when you can... Hold someone's word, it means you're a follower of that person. And they had, they, Jesus didn't fit into the mold that they had thought that the Messiah should fit into. He challenged their ways, and they, they didn't like that. There was this prejudice, this, this clinging on to what they thought God should be like, they thought the Messiah should be like, and they could not hear his word because of that. Verse 44 You are of your father, here it comes, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Man, can you imagine that? All of a sudden, Jesus comes out and says, your father is the devil. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, but what he's saying here is like father, like son. These guys were living in such a way, they couldn't bear with the truth. They didn't follow the truth of Jesus. They didn't want to believe the truth of Jesus. And they sought to kill him. Murder. You're like your father, the devil. Like father, like son. Verse 45. Because, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? Which one of you can prove that I'm a sinner? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Well, why not? Well, it says in verse 47. Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. They, their father, is Jesus, is the devil, not God the Father. Like Father, like Son. So, how does this relate to us? As disciples, as a father looks like the Son, so a disciple resembles Jesus. A disciple uh, follows on the path of Jesus. It means a follower. And so, as a Christian, as one who's a true believer, a disciple, you should begin to resemble Jesus. Um, When I... uh, I'm at home, and somebody calls on the phone. And if Seth picks up the phone, or I pick up the phone, it's a little bit hard now to determine who's actually talking. <laughs> if, if, if you call, and my dad's there as well, then it's really hard. Uh, I, I think many of you have met my dad. We have like, this weird mannerism where we laugh a certain way, and we have a similar laugh. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Our mannerisms have become, or I've become more like him. Seth is getting that way as well. Um, uh, our, our, our looks have grown in that way too. I, I, you look at a picture now of, you know, when I was um, Seth's age and my dad was Seth's age, it's like this is resemblance that's taking place and it's growing. When Seth was a baby, when I was a baby, we, maybe, you know, maybe you'd say, oh, you know, look at his cheeks. It kind of looks like, you couldn't tell, but as, he, as we grew, as you grow, you kind of, you, you see this family resemblance growing. Here's the point. As Christians, growth is something that has to take place to be a disciple. Growth, if there's no growth, there's something wrong. There's, like, there's a malady that's taking place. But 
growth can be slow. And it can be hard to recognize at times. So if you're one that says, you know, I just don't see growth in my life and it's, it's discouraging to me. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask somebody else. Someone knows you well. Do you see growth in my life? When someone, like Seth recently, um, I keep talking about Seth, I think he's back there. His, his voice has been changing, you know. It's coming more deep, you know, more manly. Um, well, I hear it every day. And so I don't necessarily know it's changing. But when somebody comes visit us that hasn't heard him for a, you know, a, a few weeks or a few months, it's like, wow, your voice is getting you know, deeper. Or you're growing, like you're, you're, you're taller than you were before. If, when I see him every day, I don't necessarily re- recognize it. But when someone sees from a distance, hasn't seen, they can recognize it. That's why we need each other, the church, to help each other in this area. Talk to others. Do you see growth in my life? I'm, I see myself every day. I, I know my problems. Do you see me growing in compassion? Do you see me growing in grace and mercy? Is there a resemblance to Jesus' is growing over time? We all have problems and faults, but there's a growth of a disciple. It may take decades at times. I think it's, this is probably the last four times I've preached. I'm a soccer coach. And so anytime I, I, a new player comes on the, on the field or coaching, there, there could be someone who's like, they never played soccer before and they just need to learn how to pass. And then you have another person who's like, wants to volley the ball, kicking it out of the air. And then you have another person who has just natural coordination. And then you've got someone who has like two left feet. Different people, they start in different places. But if they're true soccer players, there's going to be some development. There's going to be some growth. It may not look the same. You can't compare yourself with others. But there's growth. There's development over time. And it may take longer for one and shorter for other. We're all in different places. But this is the sign of discipleship. Being to resemble more and more like Jesus. Like father, like son, like disciple, like Jesus, like disciple. This is the truth of how you can examine yourself as a disciple to see where you are. This is good news. Last one. Turn to... Well, I guess I'm not turning. Verse 48. Let's look at honoring. Honoring. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are Samaritan and have a demon? <laughs> Gee. These guys, you know, Jesus had just said their father was the devil, and they just, like, come right back at him. You're a Samaritan. So they just pick the person that they think is the worst people. You're a Samaritan, and you have a demon. Like, you know, you say we're the devil. You have a demon. That's what they tell him. And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. In this section, we see that honor is the sign of a disciple. And what we see here, though, is that in Jesus' case, he's not making much of himself. He's not making himself. It's the father who honors him. The father is honoring the son. In verse 50, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. There's this idea that when you honor someone with your words and you honor their word, that shows, um, so let me say the example. Oftentimes you think there's someone who's, um, we see this often, someone is on their deathbed and they say, my last desire to do, tell my family you love them. I love them. And it is an honorable thing to go and then do that for that person. Or, you know, I want to be buried in this way. And then you honor what their word says. We're going to see here that there's an honor that takes place in listening to Jesus' word and then, then doing it. And there's also the idea here that, there's, that Jesus is 
living as who he was made to be, who, he is, who God appointed him to be. It says here, let me say again, I, it says, uh, verse 50, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now that we know that you have a demon, Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than Abraham, or our father Abraham who died, and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? They are claiming that Jesus is making himself out to be someone whom he is not. And so they're dishonoring him. They're saying, you aren't who you say you are. You're making yourself higher than you think you are. And so as what we see here is a, someone who's not a disciple, they have to push Jesus down in order to make themselves feel better about themselves. They think in, in, in lifting up Jesus, they will um, degrade themselves. But it's truly that this is the case, is it one who honors Jesus... One who obeys his word, who one who abides in his word, they, it says, never taste death. One who honors Jesus is put in a place of receiving honor themselves. They are honored with Jesus himself. These men say, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? <laughs> who do you think you are that you can say there's going to be no more death? For those who honor your word. Jesus says in verse 54. Jesus answered. If I glorify myself. My glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. Of whom you say. He is our God. Jesus is saying. I'm not the one. Who's um, lifting myself up. It is the father who lifts me up. And a disciple. Follows in line with the father. And lifting Jesus up. And making much of him. Jesus doesn't make much of himself. The the. The Father makes much of Jesus. Jesus lives in that place, and the disciple falls in those steps and makes much of Jesus. Verse 55, but you have not known me. I know him, the Father. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Jesus, as son of the Father, he keeps the Father's word. The Father exalts the Son. He makes it so those who keep his word are um, never taste death, and Jesus himself keeps the Father's word. There's this, you see this, this, this work here of the Father, the Son to Father, and disciple to Jesus. There's a keeping of the word. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, are you not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? They're really confused now. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What did Abraham do when he saw Jesus? He rejoiced to see him. Now, we don't know if this means that Jesus like, literally saw Abraham. It's possible. The Old Testament speaks of ways in which the, the angel of the Lord uh, appeared unto Abraham. And maybe that's where he saw this, um, uh, this <laughs> Jesus as a divine being, not being Jesus himself yet, because that comes later. Or it might be that just he saw him by faith, this promise to come. But he says, he's not 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And, they, and he says, truly, truly, I see you before Abraham was, I am. What does he not say? He doesn't be said before Abraham was, was, I was. He says, I am. Jesus is revealing the fullness of who he is, right? He's revealing his divinity. And they can't handle it. 
they, they can't receive this word. They, they, they think, if, I, if we believe what Jesus is saying, that's going to dishonor us since they're dishonoring Jesus while the Father is honoring Jesus and lifting him up. And the disciples, and the disciple who honors Jesus lives forever. And as well as Abraham himself, who they think is the greatest thing ever, he rejoices in Jesus. It's all about Jesus and making him known. It's all about Jesus and him receiving the honor that he's due. And then it says, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. A disciple, the sign of a disciple is to honor Jesus. The father honors Jesus. Abraham honors Jesus. The the disciple in honoring Jesus, he receives honor himself. There's life eternal, no more death. Jesus is greater, who is Jesus? He's greater than Abraham. The one that they thought was the, the greatest. Jesus is worthy of all honor. So, as a disciple, what do you see in your life? Do you, is, is, is the thing that comes from your life when you think about Jesus, is it an honor? Um, when his, his word is spoken, is your desire to follow that word, to honor that word? That's, a, that's, a, that's the mark. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a truth, a sign of true discipleship is honoring Jesus. Do you do that in your life? What would it be like if, uh, for our church, if uh, when we woke, wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what do I do to honor you today? What do I do to, uh, the, as they asked in the question, why do you make yourself to be, who do you make yourself out to be? What if we ask the question, Lord, how can we make much of you today? As a, as a mark of discipleship. How can I make much of you today? What would it be like if, our, if we as people did that to Lift up Jesus in that way. To live out the discipleship. This this truth that as you honor Jesus, you honor who he is, there's honor coming to you by being in him. It's it's exciting as a disciple. It should be encouraging, I think, for each of us. So, three parts. Doing, uh, sorry, (laughs) knowing, doing, and honoring. When I was, you know, um, when I was a, a young uh, or you know, young teens, I did. I went forward and <laughs> I raised my hand. And this is kind of the reality of things. I don't exactly know when I became a follower of Jesus, a disciple. There was like I, I can probably think of one, two, three, three or four times where I made like. You know, I raised my hand or I said I wanted to follow Jesus. And then there was periods after that where I would either not do like I, I said I was doing or do for a period of time and then fall away. Or, um, and there, there was a period of time, though, only at the end of my college um, experience where I made a commitment to Christ. And it's been very consistent in following Christ since then. But was I a disciple during those times where I made sort of half-hearted um, belief? Well, Probably not sometime, maybe some other times. But the truth is this, this is, I hope it can comfort you, each of you, is that we don't measure up as disciples of Christ. There will be times when we fail, but it's true. Like when we sung that song earlier, he is the one who holds us fast and brings us along. So be encouraged in that way. But if there is no growth, if you're not honoring the Lord, if your desire isn't to honor him, if you hear things 
of the Lord and knowing the gospel and it, it offends you, question that. Let it awaken you. Talk to somebody about that. It's important. If you, right now you say, I want to follow Jesus in my life. I, I hear the word of God. I hear how good Jesus is. And you want to grow in that? Talk to somebody here in the church. Talk to myself. We'd love to help you grow as a disciple. There's nothing better you can do in your entire life than to follow Jesus. And there's, um, in honoring him, there's honor in, in, in knowing him, and knowing there's life in knowing him. So do that. Um, we're going to close our service this morning in partaking of communion together. So let me pray, and then we'll begin to uh, take the Lord's Supper together. Lord Jesus, um, thank you that you're the one that holds us fast. Uh, I pray is that, I pray for each of us that we would examine um, our discipleship. We would um, test it against your word to, be, uh, to, to know um, that we are in you and that we would not be deceived, but we'd also be encouraged in seeing that you are the one that holds us fast and see, and see the growth that you've done in our lives. You were so good to help us to grow. Uh, thank you for freeing us from our sins. Uh, thank you for the power over sin. Uh, thank you that there's the ways in which we resemble you now that we hadn't in the past. And Lord, help us to be those who make much of you, who honor you with our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.